Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. This is your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today we have with us John Meese. He is the Dean of Platform University. John leads a team focused on simplifying online marketing for professionals and runs three successful businesses, including a co-working space that is walking distance from his house. Well, that's convenient, especially nowadays, where basically all in our living room or in our basements. John's passion is teaching people and busy professionals how to systemize their business and build an engaged online audience, which is crucial nowadays. Welcome, John. Well, thank you, Barbara. I appreciate the introduction. I'm glad to be here. It's a little awkward to hear that introduction just with the time we're recording this because, I mean, the co-working space is closed currently by executive order. So it's a, it's a thriving empty building right now. Well, one day we'll get back there. Yes, that's the plan. <laughs> Can you tell people what they should do in terms of personal branding or what you mean by it? Like what criteria people should go by, what things that they should make sure that they include or implement? Sure, I'd be happy to. I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we could kind of uh, explore that topic, but what comes to mind first when talking to professionals, in this case, health professionals, is that it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're in this world right now where there's this massive wave of people who've built an audience online who don't actually have a lot of experience. I mean, there's like, you know, the stereotypical 12-year-old, you know, Instagram or TikTok influencer who, you know, built this you know, multi-million dollar uh, or multi-million follower audience. I mean, the account at Slime on Instagram, last I checked, had over 2 million followers. So on one hand, it's a little disappointing, but on the other hand, it's actually indicative of what I've seen is that there's this, there's this really this wealth of opportunity for experienced professionals to take their knowledge and translate that online to people who are really hungry for guidance. I mean, there are people who are really hungry for someone to follow, someone to guide them in various areas of their life. And so health being a major, a major one. So when we're talking about personal branding, really, um, or we use the term platform a lot with Platform University. Really, the most important thing there is really just to think through how do you want to be known? And I mean, how do you want to be known online? And so, you know, we simplify online marketing by really focusing on how to take your your personality and your expertise and translate that into an online brand, usually in the form of a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel or something like that. Well, I think a great example of that is Dr. Fauci. Before, many people did not know who he was. And now he's like the superhero of the century. Right. Well, there are a lot. Yeah. And there are a lot of people in different, I mean, even because even medicine, of course, is a broad field. So even within that, you know, there are specific people who become famous for their innovations in mold or, you know, in different aspects of health. And so I think that's actually, some, that's actually something worth noting that 
no longer because of how much access consumers have to information, no longer are people really looking for general experts. They're looking for specific experts, specific authorities who have really paved a path of niching down. And so that's true in all fields, not just medicine, but it's especially true in medicine where you've got people, I mean, you have the potential to reach people all over the world, but they're also, you want to make sure that you're not just one doctor or, or other health practitioner among others. You want to make sure that you stand out as having something specific that really sets you apart. You know, I tell my clients that putting videos on their site is really key to having patients understand what they're saying or explaining and also showing their personality. How would you say that blogging helps professionals to grow their practice? Yeah, well, I think that I really think of blogging and podcasting and then vlogging or just creating YouTube content in general. I think of those three as really just different ways of approaching the same general strategy of having free, valuable content that you create. So the purpose of having free, valuable content that you create is that, I mean, in, in, in general, today, consumers have a lot of power because they have access to so much information. And so you need to give someone essentially a free sample or a taste of what you have to offer to earn their trust. I mean, no longer is anyone willing to sit through, you know, forms and paperwork and, you know, application forms or consults before they get to find out what you have to say or what, because they already have access to so much information on the internet and everyone's an expert, an armchair expert and everything. You really need to give people a a free taste of your expertise and your personality to just give them some assurance that you can be, that they can trust you and to really, to build rapport with them. So blogging is actually what I recommend. It's, it's not the most uh, exciting thing today with all these new technologies, but it's still where I recommend everyone start because it requires the least amount of time, energy, and tools to create and also the least amount of time, energy, and tools to consume. You don't need a special app to read a blog post. So I typically recommend that anyone who's any professional is looking to build an online platform start by writing. And those, as you begin to craft your message and your narrative and your kind of your voice online, then it becomes easy to translate that writing and you can actually repurpose that same content for the outline for a podcast episode or a video, or, and you can actually, you know, lean heavily into podcasting or video, but blogging is the easiest to get started. And so that's typically where we recommend people focus. Well, between you and me and the bugs on the wall, do you think that TikTok is going to go the same way as Vine, or do you think that it's here to stay? (laughs) Well, um, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I've got nothing against TikTok, but you, you know, you have to think about like, what is your purpose of being online? And I'm not on TikTok. And my sister is, my 13-year-old sister has you know, built a little bit of a following there herself, but that's appropriate. I mean, TikTok is a platform that's really for fun entertainment and less information. I mean, it's really, that's just kind of how it's designed. And so it reminds me a lot of Snapchat in that way. It's just a little more interactive. So it may or may not stick around. And I think that's kind of, honestly, I'd say that's a little bit beside the point because how, when we think about, talk about social media, with when we talk to our platform university students, we're really focusing on, okay, you need to focus first on who your target customer is and then where are they already hanging out and how can you reach them? So if you're teaching health for, I mean, let's just say, for example, that your target customer as a health professional is that you really want to serve adolescents as their bodies are developing and help them adopt specific health strategies that are going to help them you know, really stay healthy for the rest of their life. And so that means that your target audience are these, you know, 
teenage influencers on, you know, on, on TikTok. Well then yeah, create TikTok content to get them excited and engaged so that they're running to their mom or dad and saying, check this out. You know, Doc Barbara is the coolest. Let's go, you know, let's book a session. But if that's not your target customer, if your target customer instead is someone who's in their 40s, who is is reaching the point now where they have an established foundation of wealth and they have an established lifestyle, but now they're thinking about prolonging their life and they're trying to figure out what health strategies they should prioritize to add 10 or 15 years to their life, well, then you probably shouldn't go to TikTok because chances are they're not on there. So I think the platform is kind of irrelevant if you don't have clarity on who you're trying to reach. Now, you say that using social media without strategy is a waste of time and effort. Is this what you mean by that? Exactly. That's exactly what I mean by that. I think it's, it's interesting. Today, there's this, I like to call it a visibility bias. I don't know if that's the formal term, but that's just what I've been calling it with social media, which is that if you look around at other businesses, and this is true with any profession, but just focusing on the medical profession for a minute, if you look around at any other successful practitioners and you wonder, okay, what are they doing right? I mean, what's really working? Well, there's really only the one thing that you can see, and that's their activity on social media. Are they posting on social media? Are they getting comments? Are they getting likes? That's really the only thing that's visible. And so it becomes this visibility bias because what you cannot see are how many people are on phone calls with their staff you know, getting set up for sessions. How many people are landing on their website from a search result on Google where they stumbled upon a blog post and booked a consult? How many people are being referred one-to-one by a friend to go to that practice? I mean, there are all these things that you can't see and all you can see is social media. So people end up who are thinking, okay, I got to go online. I got to take my profession online. They end up rushing into social media and saying, okay, cool. I created a profile on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Google Plus, if you still can. I don't actually I don't think you do that anymore. Uh, you know, uh, let's see what else. You've got Pinterest, you've got Periscope, you've got TikTok. I'm sure there are others that I'm forgetting. But you know, that's 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 a waste of time and energy because what it does is it puts all the emphasis and the focus in the wrong place. Because social media is a great way to reach new people if you're on the right platform getting in front of your target audience. It's a great way to reach new people. But it's not actually Sorry, what were you going to say, Barbara? I'm sorry. How can a doctor know which platform his patients spend most of their time on? That's a good question. I think it totally relates to the need to hyper-focus who your target customer, or in this case, your target patient is. Because it used to be that your target patient was, I mean, everybody within, any family within driving distance of your practice. But that's not really the, you know, that's not the world we live in anymore. And now they're so you need to get clear on who, what is specific, who is your target customer in terms of their age demographic, their health demographic. And then I would work backwards from there to, there's a couple of different ways you could find out if you have clarity on who your target patient is, if you want to figure out where do they spend time online. Uh, the simplest way is to ask them. So if you already know, maybe you have a sample size of 10 to 20 patients who already fit your criteria of a target patient, you could simply ask them, which could be a phone conversation or a text, could be an email, could be a survey. But you could simply ask them, where do you spend time online when you know in your free time or where or even where do you look for information when you want to learn more about your health? And that's one way that you could ask them. There are also many, many studies available uh, you know, publicly for different social media sites about the demographics of who uses them. But it all starts with first you have to get clear on who your target patient is. Because if your target patient is more, well, that's really hard to quantify. 
I think that's excellent advice. Now, this week, when we have been sucked into the time vortex of yes. YouTube, seeing you know everything from singing dogs to uh, you know like laughing babies, people don't realize that YouTube is actually a very powerful search engine. Mm-hmm. So, would you recommend you making sure that you got some maybe instructional videos on YouTube? Yeah, I think, you know, again, it, it, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but it really comes back to your target customer. Because if you have clarity in who your target customer is, then you have to next get clarity on what problems do they have. And once you have clarity on what problems they have, then it becomes pretty easy to think through, okay, well, what solution do they need? In other words, what are they searching? When they go to Google or they go to YouTube and they're searching how to, I mean, I mean, I can just speak personally here and say, I've got a massive amount of food allergies. And so, you know, like if, if I mean, I, I've been on there on Google or YouTube searching like, you know, how to manage a, a healthy, you know, diet when you're allergic to every kind of nut on the planet, or, you know, maybe like how to actually resolve underlying health issues that are causing food allergies. I mean, you got to, that's just one example. I mean, I'm just selfishly someone who would love to know all the answers to those questions, but everybody has problems. And so you just got clear, you got clear, you got to get clear on what problems do they have and then work backwards from there to create solutions. So your content, your free content, whether that's a YouTube video or a blog post or a podcast episode, that's sort of like the sample solution, right? I mean, like you want to scratch the itch, but you need to offer, this needs to lead into something that you can go deeper in, in your practice and, you know, in actually working with a patient. It might be that you have a series of, you know, 12 tips on just using the food allergy example. You could have a video that's on, that's on, you know, how to identify the underlying problem that's causing your food allergies right now. And it could just be in that video, a brief explanation. But then you could also offer, if you want to work directly with me, where we can diagnose your specific situation, you know, leave a comment below and, you know, or send me an email and let's talk. You want to get people the next step. When I implement uh, videos onto onto YouTube. What is it that I need to do in order to get all of my videos in sequence or have a separate, let's say, YouTube room where I don't have other people's videos intermingling with mine? Well, uh, the short answer is you can't. YouTube is a shared platform. It's like going to a coffee shop or a park, just like any other social media platform, and um, you know, asking for a monopoly. I mean, you, you can't. If It's a free platform, and that's one of the prices you pay is that you are actually promoting YouTube more as much as you're promoting your own content. But the way around that is I would say that you should never build your – I mean, just don't build a house on a rented lot. And so YouTube is a rented lot. You don't own your channel. YouTube could change the rules anytime. Facebook's done it and will continue to do it. Instagram's done it and will continue to do it. All of these platforms change the rules. And so they're really helpful to actually jump on there and say, hey, I want to build a following, but then I want to take this offline. And that's where you actually get people to give you their email address. It is, it's crazy how much you know, you, people don't see it because it's one of those invisible things but the conversations you have with people in their inbox every day, that is where transactions happen. That is where business happens. That is where money changes hands are from email. Uh, so social media, which includes YouTube, is a great way to reach new people. But if you want to actually take people a little bit deeper, it needs to be, they need to join your email list. You need to have a way that people can join a newsletter or something where you actually have, you own the asset of their contact information. And so that's always what I recommend the next step is 
no matter what your content strategy is, but including YouTube. Well, this is a really great tip to point out in that regardless of your activity on social media, your main goal is always to drive traffic back to your site and Mm -hmm. also a call to action, which is what is it that you want your viewer or listener to do next? Exactly, exactly. And it's, I mean, I love, I mean, I've been geeking out on YouTube myself recently. I mean, I really love the platform because YouTube is actually, just because we're talking about it, it's a combination of a social media platform and a search engine because it operates like Google and that people search for things, but it operates like a social media platform in that there's recommended content. You can like content and share content. You can see what your friends follow. I mean, it's sort of this, you know, marriage of the two. And so that's a really cool platform. That's a really, that's, I mean, that's just a really cool opportunity to continue and explore that. But the end goal is still get the email address because Google could change the rules any day. And you just want to make sure that you are in control of your business. Sure. Are there any other helpful tips that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there there are many that I, I could share. I will say one that sticks out that I think could be helpful here is that you need to get clear on who your platform personality archetype is. And this is something that people get really confused on uh, if they don't know what it is. So I'll just explain that when you're starting to create content online, it can be, you know, it can feel a little awkward if you're not used to it of just teaching people and creating content, but you want to get clear from the get go of how you want people to perceive you. Do you want to be perceived as the sage, the Sherpa or the struggler? Now, the struggler is someone who's currently learning things and sharing as they go. So they're typically coming from the perspective of, we're in this together. Here's what I just learned. The Sherpa is someone who said, I climbed the mountain, and now I want to help you climb the mountain too and show you what I did. And the sage is someone who says that they really just speak from authority as someone who has a third-party endorsement of their expertise. Almost every doctor can very easily claim sage as the expert, depending upon what your content is, because I mean, it takes a lot of work and everyone recognizes that it takes a lot of work to get certified as a medical professional. And so if you are going to position yourself as a sage, you need to make sure that you do it consistently, that you're consistently teaching content authoritatively. So you can cite stats, but people are looking for you to tell them the truth, not seven options of what they could do, but the one thing they should do because they look for a trusted sage. If, however, you're exploring like maybe the edges of your field and you're sharing new research as you discover it, then it actually might be better for you to come at it as the angle of the struggler where you're saying, hey, here's this new thing I learned. I'm going to go learn something else and I want you to follow along with me. It's just a really cool way to draw people in, but you can't go back and forth. If you vacillate between creating content as a sage and as a struggler about the same content, people don't really know why, but they lose trust in you. They just feel like you're not consistent. Well, that makes sense. Tell me, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, I appreciate you asking. Um, Actually, what I just shared was one of uh, many tips that we share on a weekly basis. I have a newsletter called Teach It Forward that we send out for free every week. And so you can go to platformuniversity.com slash MTD uh, to get the information on how to sign up for that. And we also have an online income checklist that you can download for free there, which may inspire some ideas of digital products. We haven't even talked about that. But that might inspire some ideas of digital products you could be using to bring in extra revenue in your practice today. Well, now you have me intrigued before we get off. Can you tell us some of the uh, products that you're referring to? Yeah. Well, so in that checklist, we walk through kind of uh, just a few first things you should make sure you're doing on your website to make sure you're 
really just not leaving money on the table. But one of them, it, I mean, this is just the simplest, but one of them is to make sure you're using affiliate links wherever appropriate, wherever you can. Now, I can't comment on the any legal requirements in the medical field around that, but I will say in general, with any industry in the US, the FTC requires you publicly disclose as an affiliate link, but that's not a problem. I mean, I'm very open when I give out affiliate links, but if you're recommending specific books or specific prescriptions or just specific anything, even just on Amazon, you can get a custom link to make sure that on your website, when you're linking to that resource, you're actually getting a commission off one of those sales. And so we also talk about how to create digital products and eBooks like or online courses. So there's lots more there, but that's kind of one thing I would say is sort of the first thing to make sure you're doing, because you could be bringing in hundreds or thousands of dollars in extra revenue each month just by using affiliate links where you're already recommending resources. Great idea. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. You've been listening to John Meese, the Dean of Platform University. This has been an episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.